All right. We are back. Capitalist realism is not what we are fucking reading. We are reading The Racial Contract. The podcast is called Political Theory and um, Other Stuff. And we are on, we are at, we're still on the- Still in the overview. Yep. But we've made it to a second section of the overview. (laughs) And so this uh, section is called, The Racial Contract is a Historical Actuality. All right. Did you want to start a softball? Sure. Thank you, sir. The social contract, in its modern version, has long since given up any pretensions to be able to explain the historical origins of society and the state. Whereas the classic contractarians were engaged in a project both descriptive and prescriptive, the modern Rawls-inspired contract is a purely prescriptive thought experiment. And even Pateman's sexual contract, though its focus is the real rather than the ideal, is not meant as a literal account of what men in 4004 BC decided to do on the plains of Mesopotamia. Whatever accounts for what Frederick Ingalls once called the world historical defeat of the female sex, whether the development of an economic surplus, as he theorized, or the male discovery of the capacity to rape and the female disadvantage of being the child-bearing half of the species, as radical feminists have argued, it is clearly lost in antiquity. By contrast, ironically, the racial contract never so far has I know explored as such has the best claim to being an actual historical fact. Far from being lost in the mists of the ages, it is clearly historically locatable in the series of events marking the creation of the modern world by European colonialism and the voyages of discovery now increasingly and more appropriately called expeditions of conquest. The Colombian quincentenary a few years ago with its accompanying debates, polemics, controversies, counter-demonstrations, and outpourings of revisionist literature confronted many whites with the uncomfortable fact, hardly discussed in mainstream moral and political theory, that we live in a world which has been foundationally shaped for the past 500 years by the realities of European domination and the gradual consolidation of global white supremacy. Thus, not only is the racial contract real, but whereas the social contract is characteristically taken to be establishing the legitimacy of the nation-state and codifying morality and law within its boundaries, the racial contract is global, involving a tectonic shift of the ethico-juridical basis of the planet as a whole. The division of the world, as Jean-Paul Sartre... How do you... Sartre? Is it Sartre? Sartre? Uh, I've heard both. I've heard both. Okay. Uh, Put it long ago, between men and natives that's a lot to unpack there one i just have to say that it is kind of fucking crazy that you can't pinpoint the subjugation of women historically yeah i haven't really thought about that a whole lot but jesus christ man women have just been (laughs) fucked for so long that we're not even sure why (laughs) women are so fucked like or exactly when it started started Yeah. yeah That's just it's like prehistoric. Yeah, and there are certain cultures, I can't tell you which tribes, but I do remember in reading Native American history that in a lot of their tribal structures, women controlled when men could go to war. So if like, uh, you know, for instance, if there were food concerns, if there were protection concerns, things like that, if the women didn't approve, the council, the elders were all women and if they, outside of the chief. And if they didn't approve, then there couldn't be uh, a war tribe sent out. So there were some societies that did that, but on a mass whole, holy shit. Right. Holy shit. Um, and that, yeah, I mean, 
Uh, I think it's a pretty obvious point to our listeners by now, but it's so easy to track the racial shit. Yeah. Especially because for so much of it, these Western assholes were proud of what they were doing and were like excited to write about their justifications and yeah. what they were doing. And for more modern terms, with their quote unquote manifest destiny, their white man's burden, their unbelievable struggle to just bring civility to the world. You know, right. They really. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you hide your justification, then it that's then you're not able to justify what you're doing. You know, yeah, so you got to you got to let people know why it's okay you're doing what you're doing all right um europeans thereby emerge as quote the lords of humankind unquote the lords of all the world with the increasing power to determine the standing of the non-europeans who are their subjects although no single act literally corresponds to the drawing up and signing of a contract there is a series of acts papal bulls and other theological pronouncements 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 pronouncements, european decisions about colonialism in quotes discovery and international law pacts treaties and legal decisions academic and popular debates about the humanity of non-whites the establishment of formalized legal structures of differential treatment and the routinization routinization of informal illegal or quasi-legal practices effectively sanctioned by the complicity of silence and government failure to intervene and punish perpetrators, which collectively can be seen not just metaphorically, but close to literally as its conceptual juridical and normative equivalent. Uh, And so that last section, I immediately think of um, like lynchings, right? It's like um, there's no place where they said, hey, lynchings are fine in, in the laws, but as we know, you know, sheriffs were involved oftentimes, um, you know, the head of the police, so on and so forth, you know. Yeah. And today we're in like a just a little bit more discreet characterization of it. But, uh, you know, like uh, just look at sentencing times or, you know, arrest rates. It's still obviously so embraced by the foundations of our society. You know, maybe these judges aren't explicitly told, but they understand what they're supposed to uphold. And they understand kind of, it's just, a, it seems to be an innate understanding of that systemic racism that we live within. Yep. And they're just quiet about it. They never say it out loud. But anybody who is able to have a basic understanding of statistics can see that it is still very alive and real from a social, social contract. For sure. Even though Ben Shapiro would tell you that if there are no explicitly racist, well, racist laws, then racism just doesn't exist, exist. right um fuck that guy fuck that guy so it's anthony uh how'd you say his last name i don't know who that is so uh i would guess pagden pagden okay anthony pagden suggests that a a division of the european empires into their main temporal periods should recognize two distinct but interdependent histories colon the colonization of the americas 
1492 to 1830s, and the occupation of Asia, Africa, and the Pacific, 1730s to the period after World War II. In the first period, it was to begin with the nature and moral status of Native Americans that primarily had to be determined, and then that of the imported African slaves whose labor was required to build this new world, in quotes. In the second period, culminating in formal European colonial rule over most of the world by the early 20th century, it was the character of colonial peoples that became crucial. But in all cases, race is the common conceptual de denominator 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 that gradually came to signify the representative global statuses of superiority and inferiority privilege and subordination there is an opposition there is an opposition of us against them with multiple overlapping dimensions europeans versus non-europeans geography uh, civilized versus wild savage barbarians culture Christians versus heathens, religion, but they all eventually coalesced into the basic opposition of white versus non-white. A lumbi, is that lumbi? I I will just apologize ahead of time. We're not trying to be offensive. I just don't know all words. Right. A lumbi Indian legal scholar, Robert Williams, has traced. I just thought I laughed because I thought of what's that that movie. Um. When Robert Williams plays uh, the fucking uh, shrink. Oh, um, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, so I just yeah. immediately saw him like in a sweater with a beard <laughs> talking about his wife farting, and it just made me laugh. <laughs> Robert Williams has, has uh, traced the evolution of the Western legal position on the rights of Native peoples from its medieval and antecedents yeah antecedents to the beginnings of the modern period showing how it is consistently based on the assumption of quote the rightness and necessity of subjugating and assimilating other peoples to the european worldview initially the intellectual framework was a theoretical or theological one a theological one which norm that normative with normative inclusion and exclusion manifesting itself as the demarcation demarcation between christians and heathens the pope's powers over the uh, uh societis uh christiana yes Okay, Uh, the Universal Christian Commonwealth were seen as extending not only over all Christians within the Universal Commonwealth, but over unregenerated heathens and infidels as well. And this policy would subsequently underwrite not merely the Crusades against Islam, but the later voyages to the Americas. Sometimes papal pronouncements did grant rights and rationality to non-believers. As a result of dealing with the Mongols in the 13th century, for example, Pope Innocent IV conceded that infidels and heathens possessed the natural law right to elect their own secular leaders. Wow, that's nice of him. And Pope Paul III's famous sublimus deus 
stated that Native Americans were rational beings, not to be treated as dumb brutes created for our service, but as truly men capable of understanding the Catholic faith. But as Williams points out, the latter qualification was always a Eurocentrically normed conception of rationality made it coextensive with acceptance of the Christian message, so that rejection was proof of bestial irrationality. There's so much to unpack in that little that little bit there. But my favorite thing is that with the Mongols, they didn't really have a choice. The Mongols just came in and kicked the shit out of them multiple times. The first time they came in, kicked the shit out of them, said, we're going to be back. So you either get the hell out of here, give us what we want, or we're going to kick the shit out of you again. The church, I'm pretty sure, convinced everybody that they were some sort of demonic, not demonic, but like predicted army by God and that they had already endured it. So they just didn't do fucking anything. And then the Mongols came in and pushed their shit in even harder the second time, which to me is just such a good example of uh, what we were talking about the last recording, where it's just like so many Americans, and I, I can't speak for other European nations, but I'd assume conservative Germans, conservative French, really do have this thing that like white people have been the dominant force in the world for just time eternum. And it's such bullshit, dude. They were so many given times, uh, and really up until very modern times, at the very least, China was more impressive than Europe at any given time. They just didn't feel the need to force everybody to be China. They're just like, oh, okay, we saw your lands. They're pretty cool. We're going to go back to ours. They're better. See you later. Right. An oversimplification, but but I, I get the, the, the vibe. And you just have to wonder how much of it has to do with Christianity, that compulsion of missionary yeah you know saving people from hell kind of bullshit right and i wanted to say i can't remember if it was ben shapiro or someone else was talking about maybe maybe it was dave rubin was tell you about how like um yeah these these people are even saying that like rationality is racist that logic is racist and this last like sentence really sums up what people are getting at when they I mean, I'm sure no one says literally like logic is racist, but when right. w- when what what he's alluding to the idea is what Mills goes over here when he talks about the Eurocentrically normed conception of rationality made it uh, coex co. Will you read that? That um... yeah, uh, a Eurocentrically normed conception of rationality made it coextensive with acceptance of the Christian message, so that rejection was proof of bestial irrationality. Yeah, which they still do. I mean, like I can't tell you. I could tell you. It's not like an, an enormous amount of time, but I have been confronted by all accounts non-impressive human beings that talk shit on other people for not understanding that Christianity is the truth or whatever. They are so able to easily use it as like a leg up on anybody, which is just ironic as fuck. Totally. Uh, Even more remarkably, uh, in the case of Native Americans, this acceptance was to be uh, signaled by their agreement to the Rickham... What is that one? Well, first off, I'm guessing it's Latin. Yeah. Second requirement, ah, dude, requirement, requiremiento. Okay, requiremiento. Requiremiento. Sorry, Latin speakers. 
all 12 of you. <laughs> a long statement read aloud to them in, of course, a language they didn't understand, failing which assent a just war could lawfully be waged against them. One author writes, sorry, were you going to say something? No, just how fucked up that scenario is. Like, if I got kidnapped by, like, some French people and everything was determined by whether or not I agreed to some shit I couldn't understand. Just to have that be the fate yeah. of them in general is just so fucking ridiculous. God damn it. Totally. The requerimiento is the prototypical example of text justification conquest. Inform Informing the Indians that their lands were entrusted by Christ to the Pope and hence to the kings of Spain the document offers freedom from slavery for those Indians who accept Spanish rule, even though it was entirely incomprehensible to a non-Spanish speaker. Reading the document provided sufficient justification for dispossession of land and immediate enslavement of the indigenous people. Bartolomeo de, Bartolome de. de uh, la Casas famously commented on the requerimento was that one does not know whether to laugh or cry at the absurdity of it. While appearing to respect rights, the requerimento, in fact, takes them away. Well, it's good to know conservatives have been doing the same shit at time in memoriam, I suppose. Right. Jesus. Okay. Uh, in effect, then, the Catholic Church's declarations either formally legitimated conquest or could be easily circumvented where a weak prima facie, I don't know if I'm saying that right, moral barrier was erected. The growth of the Enlightenment and the rise of secularism did not challenge the strategic dichotomization, parentheses, Christian slash infidel, end parentheses. It's almost like these assholes don't know about the golden plates that Joseph Smith found. Right. You yeah. Know? Jesus was already over here. I don't know what the fuck these people are talking about. Okay. So much has translated into other forms. Philip Curtin... Uh, refers to the characteristic exceptionalism in European thought about the non-West, a conception of the world largely based on self-identification and identification of the other people. Uh, there are a lot of quotes involved with those sentences, and I don't even understand how to talk to you about double-layered quotes, so <laughs> just know. <laughs> there. Um, uh, similarly, Pierre Van Deberg describes... <laughs> I just pictured being one of our friend's moms trying to order at a Spanish restaurant. Uh, <laughs> quesadillas. quesadillas. <laughs> Pierre Van de describes the Enlightenment dichotomization of the normative theories of the period. Race gradually became the formal marker of this differentiated status, replacing the religious divide, parentheses, whose disadvantage, after all, was that it could always be overcome through conversion, end parentheses, Thus, a category crystallized over time in European thought to represent entities who are humanoid, but not fully human, savages, barbarians, and who are identified as such by being members of the general set of non-white races, influenced by the ancient Roman distinction between the civilized within and the barbarians outside, the empire, the distinction between full and question mark humans. Europeans set up a two-tiered moral code with one set of rules for whites and another non-whites correspondingly various moral and legal doctrines were or propounded which can be seen as specific manifestations and instantiations appropriately 
uh, adjusted to circumstances of the overarching overarching racial contract. These were specific subsidiary contracts designed for different modes of exploiting the resources and peoples of the rest of the world for Europe. The expropriation contract, the slavery contract, the colonial contract. The doctrine of discovery, for example, what Williams identifies as the paragrammatic tenant informing the determining contemporary European legal discourse respecting relations with Western tribal societies was central to the expropriation contract. The American justice Joseph Story glossed it as granting Europeans, and then this is like all quotes, an absolute dominion over an absolute dominion over the whole territories afterwards occupied by them, not in virtue of any conquest, of course, or secession by the Indian natives, but as a right acquired by discovery. The title of the Indians was not treated as a right of property and dominion, but as a mere right of occupancy. As infidels, heathens, and savages, they were not allowed to possess the the prerogatives belonging to absolute, sovereign, and independent nations. The territory over which they wandered and which they used for their temporary and fugitive purposes was in respect to Christians deemed as if it were inhabited only by brute animals. It just would be so satisfying to see every ethnic minority just walk into wealthy people's houses while they were at work and be like, oh, I discovered this. Oh, thank God. It's obviously not in use right now. So this is 100% mine. I would never leave this. And now that I have discovered it, you have, you've lost your claim to it. I'm very sorry. Uh, this is clearly how this works. Or, I mean, according to this quote, you didn't even have a claim to it. Even if you were here for hundreds of years, it's just you temporarily using this stuff until I'm right. here. Yes, it's just... It's like that meme where um, it's usually about like stealing content, but it's like the dude and he like finds the thing and the guy's like, wait, I made that. And he's like, no, I made this. Yes, I made this. And then just like continues on stealing the idea. The other thing is when you're taught this, at least in the American public education system I went through, they do kind of hint that it's all justified. Uh, When I learned about Manifest Destiny, it was like this awesome thing when they finally reached California and had finally colonized all of fucking America. And it's just presented to you like that was like a good thing and that everybody aboard was just like, ah, finally. Yeah, finally. Um, Similarly, the slavery contract gave Europeans the right to enslave Native Americans and Africans at a time when slavery was dead or dying out in Europe, based on doctrines of the inherent inferiority of these people. A classic statement of the slavery contract is the 1857 Dred Scott versus Sanford U.S. Supreme Court decision of Justice Roger Taney, Taney. Taney which stated that blacks had for more than a century before been uh, regarded as beings of an inferior order and altogether unfit to associate with the the white race, either in social or political relations, and so far inferior that they had no rights which the white man was bound to respect and that the Negro might justly 
and lawfully be reduced to slavery for his benefit. The opinion was at the next time fixed and universal in in the civilized portion of the white race. It was regarded as an axiom in morals as well as in politics, which no one thought of disputing or, or supposed to be open to dispute. Finally, there is the colonial contract, which legitimated European rule over the nations in Asia, Africa, and the Pacific. Considered, consider, for instance, this wonderful example, almost literally contractarian, in quotes, in character from the French imperial theorist Jules Hermand. Is that right, Paul? Um, I don't know who that is. Okay. Um. So I mean, Jules Harmond. Jules Hermond. Okay. Probably an asshole. So I feel bad mispronouncing his name. Right. Who devised the notion of association expansion by conquest? However, necessary seems. Espe- oh, and this is a quote. Uh, expansion by conquest, however necessary, seems especially unjust and disturbing to the conscience of democracies. But to transpose democratic institutions into such a setting is abhorrent nonsense. The subject people are not and cannot become citizens in the democratic sense of the term. It is necessary then to accept as a principle and point of departure the fact that there is a hierarchy of races and civilizations and that we belong to the superior race and civilization the basic limitation or, or legitimation of conquest over native peoples is the conviction of our superiority not merely our mechanical economic and military superiority but our moral superiority our dignity rests on the quality and it underlies our right to direct the rest of humanity for just the opening sentence i felt bad that i called him an asshole (laughs) he was like must be disturbing to the conscience of democracies uh but then he totally justified uh, my ass quote so officially jules you're an asshole oh Yeah, what is therefore necessary is the contract of association. Without falling into Rousseauian reveries, it is worth noting that association implies a contract. And this idea, though nothing more than an illusion, is more appropriately applied to the coexistence of two profoundly different societies thrown sharply and artificially into contact than it is to the single society formed by natural processes which Rousseau in envisioned. Ugh. It's almost like I take medication that gives me dry mouth or something. <laughs> me too. It's just a different kind of <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Alright. <laughs> uh, this is how the term of implicit agreement came to be conceived. The European conqueror brings order, foresight, and security to a human society, which, though ardently aspiring for these fundamental values without which no community can make progress, still lacks the aptitude to achieve them from within itself. Such a tight line. Wait, uh, I didn't really understand it. Just saying that, like, even though these fuckers are saying how great they are, 
and how they'll lead all these like you know savages to the promised land. They've never even been able to do it for them fucking selves. Okay. Yep. It's just a bullshit charade. Yep. With these uh, mental and material instruments, which it lacked and now receives, it gains the idea and ambition for a better existence and the means of achieving it. We will obey you, say the subjects, if you begin by proving yourself worthy. We will obey you if you can succeed in convincing us of the superiority of that civilization of which you talk so much. Uh, Indian laws, slave codes, and colonial native acts formally codified the subordinate status of non-whites and ostensibly regulated their treatment, creating a juridical... Dude, I've seen that word like twenty times in this chapter. I still can't pronounce it correctly. Well, okay. and the the good news the good news is is we're gonna have so many other times to yeah. try to to yeah, say it. He, he uses it a shit ton throughout the book. Creating a juridical space for non Europeans has a separate category of beings. So even if there was sometimes an attempt to prevent abuses. And these codes were honored far more often in the breach than the observance. The point is that abuse as a concept presupposes as a norm the legitimacy of the subordination. Slavery and colonialism are not conceived as wrong in their denial of autonomy to persons. What is wrong is the improper administration of these regimes. Uh, so basically, like, it's not slavery is not wrong. It's when you have an asshole slaver who beats their slaves or doesn't feed. No, uh, that's, the, the, oh. the way that I understand it is slavery is wrong if you're enslaving a human being. But these okay. aren't human beings, so it's fine to enslave them. Do you get what okay. I'm saying? Like, yeah. they're Where subpersons. Where I got my was, yeah, from the improper administration of these regimes. So I also got that, like, the system itself isn't bad. It's when people do mean things within this system. It's natural for us to subjugate these peoples. The bad part is when you get in a, like, and that could be totally wrong, but I also got some understanding that, like, the bad part is when you abuse further that system. So, like, that's why slave owners could be arrested for beating nerves too badly. Yeah, 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 it's totally possible. I just, I just saw it as, like, you know, it, it was not, it would not be just to, like, enslave Thomas Jefferson, but it's right. totally just to enslave any of his slaves because they're yeah. not people. It would be a fundamental error, then, a point to which I will return, to see racism as anomalous, a mysterious deviation from European Enlightenment humanism. Humanism. <laughs> Rather, it needs to be realized that, in keeping with the Roman pre precedent, European humanism usually meant that only Europeans were human. European moral and political theory, like European thought in general, developed within the framework of the racial contract and, as a rule, took it for granted. As Edward said points out in Culture and Imperialism, we must not see culture as antiseptically quarantined from its worldly affiliations, but this occupational blindness has in fact infected most professional humanists, and certainly most philosophers, so that as a result, they are unable to make the connection between the prolonged and sordid cruelty of practices such as slavery, colonialist and racial oppression, and imperial subjection on the one hand, and the poetry, fiction, philosophy of the society that engages in these practices on the other. By the 19th century, conventional white opinion casually assumed the uncontroversial validity of a hierarchy of higher and lower, master and subject races, for whom, it is obvious, different rules must apply. The modern world was thus expressly created as a racially hierarchical polity globally dominated by Europeans, a 1969 Foreign Affairs article worth rereading today 
reminds us that as late as the 1940s, the world was, still by and large, a Western white-dominated world. The long-established patterns of white power and non-white power were still the generally accepted order of things. All the accompanying assumptions and mythologies about race and color were still mostly taken for granted. 1969, mind you. Uh, white supremacy was a generally assumed and accepted state of affairs in the United States, as well as in Europe, Europe's empires. But statements of such frankness are rare or non-existent in mainstream white opinion today, which generally seeks to rewrite the past so as to deny or minimize the obvious fact of global white domination. So um, I just want to say, and this is something I might cringe at or re regret in, in the future, but I was talking earlier about uh, Dave Rubin or whoever being like, oh my God, they're saying that uh, fucking logic is racist. Another thing is there's a, a movement that's like anti-humanist. And from my understanding of it, it's because this project of the European humanist en enlightenment fell short. And so like anti-humanism is about like going beyond that um, yeah. rather than you know rejecting and so is the marxist project writ large it's not saying when it says that it's opposed to liberalism this is the part of liberalism it's opposed to this mm -hmm. this idea of like egalitarianism for white people or white male landowners and fuck everyone else you know right and well it's like they can't understand the concept of and for real, fuck all of the shit we were just talking about now. There's never a justification for slavery. None of that, you know, you'll never sell me a line that in my head thinks, well, we wouldn't be where we are today without it. No, fuck that. We shouldn't be where we are today then. Yeah. What I will say is, uh, it's, what, to agree with you, it's like, yeah, these assholes, like, I mean, like, just look at Shapiro rage on about the 1619 Project, or, uh, you know, this book was written almost 20 years ago now or more than 20 years ago now 23 uh, 23 years yeah, ago yeah. and shapiro's still using the same nonsensical rhetoric bullshit you know trying to whitewash that's not even the right word trying to unwhitewash history uh and make it seem like this was just how it had to be yeah and it's such fucking bullshit and then to deny that we are here today because of those acts yep everything we built upon was built upon this racist fucking bullshit and to have any of the foundations from that time period still around uh, is an obvious it means, refusal to move on. Well, and it means that it still has influence on today. Right? Yeah. So, yes. like, yep. Shapiro, like, what is most... Um, uh, recent like uh, Joe Rogan interviews talking about um, you know he would admit that a lot of this stuff took place but his idea is that you know kind of like self-agency um, man right self-agency right right and just like um, kind of like today is day zero or whatever like for some yeah. reason it's like those things no longer influence us right and, and thank you Joe Rogan for managing to not be a fucking scrotum one day of your life yep I'm really sticking it to that asshole too. Yep. Totally. Um, the point he made that really stuck out stood out to me, and I've heard it so many times, but I guess maybe coming from Joe Rogan's mouth, it's like, dude, your ancestors came here for opportunity. You understand that, right? Like they came here because they thought it would better their lives. Their ancestors were literally kidnapped from their fucking homes and then sold and treated as property. Every time they tried to establish a family, that family would be ripped apart and sent all over the fucking country. There is even if it all ended at slavery, even if the Civil War managed to do what it was supposed to do and bring equality to everybody in a... Well, I'm not saying that's what it was supposed to do. 
but what fucking Republicans today pretend the Civil War did, which was bring, you know, equality and end slavery and all this great stuff. Even if that had really happened, 150 years later, there would still be unbelievable differences because of family wealth. Yep. Like they, That is when all of their family wealth, that's the first day that there was even a chance for it to begin to acquire. Not to mention that for the next 100 years, uh, there was no way in fuck that you were going to be allowed into that society at all at all for even two seconds and it's just to pretend that that doesn't have an effect is so fucking moronic evil and just just shitty yeah totally so i feel like that's a good place to wrap up today next time we'll start at the top of page 28 and uh we will keep on trucking maybe next uh maybe next episode we'll dip not We'll not only finish this section, but maybe dip into the next, maybe. Yeah, I think we're, we might. Well, um, yeah, it's uh, it's always fun. Um, they, uh, Mills uh, does such a great job. There are so many uh, sections there that just really um, hit home for me. You know? Yep. you know, humanity has unlimited potential. You know, it's just we've been we've fallen short with that. And the only way you improve yourself or a society is by looking at what you've done wrong. And so you yep. know what way to move forward. Anyhow, yeah. Uh, great, great last words, dude. Uh, thanks, dude. Uh, fucking, uh, yeah. We, uh, I look forward to next episode. Yep. Have a great day.